Well, today we're wrapping up our series that we've been in in January to kick off 2024 called Something and Someone. Um, Some of you new to the series, welcome in. We've missed you. Uh, Really, here's what this series has been all about. It's been about defining and clarifying some, some spiritual habits and practices for all of us as we seek to be followers of Jesus. And so that's really what we've been centering around is some some things and some some ones that encourage us to pursue and walk in relationship with Jesus. Um, And so if you have one of these, which you should, our team did a great job getting them in your seat. Grab this out one final time you sat on this today. Okay, this is it. You, they will not be in your seat. You'll not have to go, why do they keep doing that? Okay, it won't be there next week. We're going to the book of Mark next week, but I'm asking everybody and their mama, as we like to say, to pull one of these out. And those of you who've been with us for the first three weeks, you get the golden star. We didn't get those this week, but you'll get one, all right, at the end of the day. And uh, pull yours out. We're going to fill in the last blank. But even if this is like week uno for you, number one, uh, I want you to have a copy of this and I want you to have something to write with. And, and listen, you're not going to turn it in. The preacher doesn't have a red pen. I'm not grading it at the end. This is for you. Okay. And so if like you really are wanting to chase Jesus, develop some habits in your life, this is a tool to help you with that. Now, I told you uh, last week, and I'll say it one more time this week, is that, uh, man, whenever I preach a four-week sermon series, if you want into preacher world, some of you, okay, aspiring to be, I don't know, uh, but listen, like, you, when you build a four-week series and, like, it builds on top of each other, the really hard, annoying part, you want to know what it is? Nobody attends all four, like, not everybody attends all four weeks. It just doesn't happen. And so here I am in week four, knowing that some of you haven't heard week one. And I'm like, God, what am I going to do with them, okay? Um, so here's what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to recap you for two minutes to get you to week four. And you go, well, what does it matter? I'm here for this week, okay? But listen, if you didn't get one and two and three, then today, listen, you can't do four. Like, you just can't. And it'll make sense as we walk through today. So humor me. Let me give you the two-minute recap to get us to where we are today. If you've heard it, it's a refresher for you because you forgot 85% of what I had to say, all right? Week one, we tackled the first question, and our question was this, what is something that you are doing to personally grow your relationship with Jesus? And we said there's two somethings. Week one had one. Week two had one. What was the first something in week one? It was what? Read something. And we said every growing follower of Jesus, if you're into that, okay, which we're trying to go for that, hears from God through his word. Like, you personally engage God's Word. You don't have to have the preacher on Sunday. I'm like just sort of the cherry on top of all the ice cream Sunday you've been making all week. You got me? And so we're engaging God's Word together. Um, And I told you, last time I'll say this, at least in January, is that if I had one wish for you and I could make one thing true, it would be that the hundreds of people, adults, students, connected to this faith family, that you would learn to know God through His Word. They're like, you would sit over your bagel, and you would open up Matthew 3, and you would be like, man, verse 7, wow, that was what I needed to hear today. And then you write something, three sentences of it, this is what God said to me today, let's go Monday. That's it, man, if I, oh, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, if hundreds of people would get infected with that bug, watch out. That's my desire, that we would read something together. And so I told you we've got a ton of resources. If you're like, I don't know where to start, on our Life Journal page, on our website, there's plans, there's videos and podcasts and audio things. If you're like, I don't know how to understand it, we got you, okay? That's not the be-all, end-all, but we're trying to help you. So read something. So what are you reading 
to start 2024. What does that look like? So write that down. You can write it down right now. As I'm talking about week two, go ahead and write it down. Uh, if you need to refill it in or you haven't filled it in. Week two, we said read something. And then what was the second one? We said what? Pray something. We said every committed growing follower of Jesus talks to God in prayer. And maybe you're one of the ones that can go an hour by your bedside in the morning, okay? Just you and Jesus continually talking. And if so, Go for it and write the book, please, okay? The rest of us who have a little ADD, okay, we have to pray and sometimes in different ways. So Paul said, man, pray continually. It's a continual conversation with Jesus, but we've all got those things that we're praying for. Maybe some things that God might answer in the next week, but some things we're like, God, I don't even know if this will happen in 2024, but let's talk because it matters to me, it matters to you. So right now, go ahead and fill in blank two. What is something or some things that you are praying for? Last week, we started tackling the some one part of the series, and some of you missed it, so i got to give you 30 more seconds, okay? Here's our second question. Who is someone that you are regularly meeting with for spiritual growth, and who is someone you are intentionally investing in? And yes, that's a two-part question, and I told you we only had two, but now we actually have three, all right? So stay with me. Last week, we focused on the first part, which is who is someone that you're regularly meeting with for spiritual growth, and here's how we define the challenge, that we're all called to grow with someone. Like everybody is called introverts, yeah, we see you, okay, grow with someone, that spiritual maturity will not fully happen in isolation, will not do it. If you don't believe me, come see me, and I'll give you a list of 24 stories of people who went, whoop, I'm going to just do this by myself, and then I just got picked off, and I'm like, I can't rescue you, okay? But God created you for community together. And so my challenge to all of us was, like, again, if I could wave my wand, it would be that every person, student and adult, who's connected to our faith family, who says, I love Jesus, and yeah, we'll be a part of the exchange, that you would have a someone or a group of someones in your life who's walking with you, who's caring for you, praying for you, um, talking about scripture together. Maybe it's an hour a week or an hour every other week, but, like, they're just in your world. And you go, yep, this is how we do it. And so we have two engines that that happens here through life groups for couples, men, women, students, okay? And then e-groups, that's a group of three people, gender-specific. All that's on our website. You can hop on there. That's not the only way to do it, but that's just how we are helping hundreds of people channel that together. But all of us should have someone. And so go ahead and fill in blank three. We're headed towards today, I promise. I didn't forget, all right? So I've got some someones in my life, and every week they're up in my world. And guess what? I need them. Okay? And I believe in some ways they need me. And so we're growing in that together. Now, today's topic is the second part of our someone question. And here's the question. Who is someone that you are intentionally investing in? Now, we use those words on purpose, intentionally investing in. And in some ways, I know when you hear this, you'll be like, that's really close to week three. In some ways it is, but in a lot of ways it's really not. Okay, and so lean in and it'll all hopefully make sense. Now, 1 Peter chapter 3, that's where we're going to be. So open up your hard copy, digital copy of Scripture. I want you to be able to look at it, read it as I'm reading it out loud. 1 Peter 3, end of the New Testament, like almost end of the Bible. So if you've got a hard copy, it's towards the back, and we'll put some verses on the screen for you to follow along. Here's what uh, happens. Here's the context as you open up to 1 Peter 3. We find some instructions in Scripture on how to deal with the people who are around us. So here's who today is for. You ready? Uh, if you are a Christian... If you are a follower of Jesus, um, today is for you. Welcome in. Uh, 
and you have a responsibility for the people that are around you. At your work, at your school, your neighborhood, like you don't get to go. Um, yeah, Connie over in the next cubicle over who just talks so much and she puts her phone on speakerphone when they make a phone call. Why would she do that? Okay, like, no, like you don't get to go. She's not in my world. No, like we all have a level of responsibility for the people who are in our circle. And so today's going to charge us as we think about investing in someone. Now, let me say something real quick, okay? Some of you, because we welcome anybody into this space, some of you who are going, man, I'm trying to figure out, like, do I know Jesus? Do, do I have a relationship with him? Man, we, we pray that you would show up. Like, we're fired up that you're here. We really are. Today, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm going to be talking a little more towards those who are already having a relationship, but what I do hope that you hear is you check out this weird church in a shopping center with no steeple and all that. Okay, like, this is what I hope, that as you hear these things I'm going to talk about today, you would go, Ooh, that's true of those people, and man, I long to be a part of a family like that, okay? That's my hope. Now, here's what's happening as we walk into 1 Peter 3, because some of you are not familiar with the context. Um, it's not good. Like the context, the environment of where this church, these believers are trying to follow Jesus is not good. Like they didn't just roll into the Sunday 11 o'clock gathering with no opposition, there's great persecution. They're against the things of God. They're not for the teachings of Jesus. And so Peter's trying to talk to them about how are you going to deal with that? How are you going to deal with that level of opposition from the world? And in the first 12 chapters, we're not going to read, or excuse me, first 12 verses of the chapter, Peter gives these charges. He says, guard your words carefully, remain humble, seek peace. In summary, that's what he said. Today, we're going to dive into verse 15 where Peter calls these Christians to live differently than the world. He says, you're facing persecution, it's not good, but how do you not live in fear? How do you walk in Christ-likeness? So here's what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Verse 16, keeping a clear conscience. So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ, that they would be ashamed of their slander. Now, two verses, that's the main ones I'm going to focus on. I'll sprinkle in some others. But in those two verses, here's what Peter identifies. He really gives us two characteristics of followers of Jesus. Or we could say like contagious Christ followers. Okay, And what does that look like for us to live this way as we interact and invest in the world around us. So I'm going to identify those two. We'll put them on the screen. It says this, Christ followers should live with extraordinary hope. All right, write that one down. Christ followers should live with extraordinary hope. Verse 15, we just read it. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the, what do you say? Hope that you have. Now, I added the word extraordinary hope um, because here's what I think, as followers of Jesus in 2024, um, what we're called to have in hope is greater than like worldly optimism, like worldly positivity, okay? Be your best self and see the day, all right? Like you've got people in your world who have a pretty good attitude about life. Like they mainly wake up and drink their coffee, so by the time you see them at 10, they're in a decent mood. You got that. But what Peter's calling us to is a lot deeper than that really surface level, hey, I smile and say I'm fine. What Peter is calling us to is something so much deeper, a deeper hope. So the world is looking to us for answers. So for your viewing pleasure today, all right, I'm going to give you some visuals. Now, don't try this at home. I'm a professional artist, as you'll see here in just a second, all right? Don't email me about my lack of drawing skills, all right? I'm a pastor. 
All right. So over here, all right, on this left side, we've got what we're going to call our follower of Jesus. And I'm not going to use the word Christian today a whole lot because I think that's a little watered down. All right. I'm going to use the word Christ follower. Like we really love him or we really want to seek him. All right. On the other side, okay, I know this guy doesn't have back issues, all right, but he's leaning in a little bit because this is the world, all right. This is those who are without hope of the good news of Jesus. And Peter says they're leaning in and they're looking for what? They're looking for the answer. What is the answer that you claim to have? Now, the word answer that we read in verse 15 from the NIV, in some translations, maybe in what you're reading, it's the word defense. And that word defense, if you break it all the way down to the original Greek, is the word apologia, which is, yes, it's fun to say, but it also sounds very similar to a word that if you studied a little bit of Bible, you remember, is the word what? Apologetics, which is a theological word, which just means to give um, reason or argument for why you believe what you believe. That's what apologetics is. And I believe every follower of Jesus, if you go, I love him, I serve him, want to know him, you should be confident in why you believe what you believe. Doesn't mean you don't have questions, but you should be confident in that. But Peter is specifically challenging all of us, if you're on that left side, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. Now, we wrote that word hope, but we've got to clarify and define that word hope because that hope is different than the hope that we all say that we have, right? Like we say things like, I hope it will finally stop raining, right? So my kids can go outside and get out of the house, okay? Or I hope inflation will finally come down so that we can afford toilet paper again, all right? Like we say things like that. That hope is really what? That's really wish. Like I desire, it would be nice if this would. What Peter is calling us to in a biblical hope, it's a lot deeper. Here's what Peter's saying. This hope is an anticipation of something that is better because of what has been promised. There's a hope, what Peter is saying, there's a hope that's greater than crossing our fingers. Maybe, maybe this will work out, maybe it won't. Peter says, no, 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 no. Like there's a hope that's so much deeper than that that Christ followers should have. He says, we should have hope to the point that no matter what the world hands us, that a coworker would be able to look over and go, how in the world is John still living that way? Because I know what's happening at his house. Like, how, how is Ashley still walking into our classroom with a smile on her face and joy in her heart because I know her parents are splitting? That level of hope. That's a lot deeper than, man, I really hope it stops raining. And Peter says, as followers of Jesus, we should have that level of extraordinary hope. What you may not realize is that the word um, Hope is very similar to the word that Paul would use, the word gospel, okay? Now, gospel, right, we know that as a churchy term, but it didn't start churchy. In fact, if you take it down to its original Greek um, or terminology, it's the term, and you know it, what is it? Good news. Gospel meant good news. Like in the first century, if an emperor, he was leading his army, and they won a war, and they declared peace and all that kind of stuff, guess what? He would send messengers out to all the troops and everybody, and he would say, hey, take out right, this gospel. He wasn't giving them a Bible. He was giving them, like, take the good news. Like, we won. It's over. We are victorious. There is peace. So the gospel did what? The gospel announced victory. It was the good news of victory. So what is, as you look at that, what is our good news? 
It's not like, had a good week this week, got a raise. No, our good news is what? Is that we were dead. And we, we were hopeless. We were without Jesus. And the worst part was, he got, it got worse. We couldn't fix it. We could not rescue ourselves, but God in his kindness and his mercy and his compassion, he saw us in our helpless and hopeless state, and he sent Jesus to pay something that we could not pay. And because of what Jesus has done on the cross, and he walked out of the tomb, and he overcame sin and death and hell in the grave, guess what he then offers? To, he offers us victory. That's good news. In fact, the greatest in the history of the world, there will never be better. And, and Peter says, you have that hope, that that extraordinary hope of the gospel is in you. It's not a hope of like, maybe God will win, or maybe he'll come through. No, no, like it's a done deal. The victory is sealed. That's the good news that we get to hold on to. And here you go like, well, you get a little fired up about that. Here's why. The reason is that's what the world is looking for. They're looking for an answer, and here we go, okay? This is our answer to them that should come out of our lives is the extraordinary hope of what? The gospel. That's what they most long for. Not three steps on how to be a better them, but they're really longing for the extraordinary hope of the gospel that is in us. No matter what life hands us, we have that extraordinary hope. Now hear me today. Okay, again, I told you a lot of people in the room are in this moment. Some of you, maybe if you're not walking in relationship with Jesus, the good news of your life all right, has a dead end. You can rock this world for a little while, right? And it can feel all right. But I'm just telling you, it, it comes to an end. It is temporary. But if you're rooted in the hope of the good news of the gospel, of what I just said, like, man, it is, it's an eternal joy that you can go back to that tank over and over. Now, when you present this to the world looking for an answer, there's going to be one of two responses. This just goes one way or the other, right? So I'm going I'm to put it this way. They can accept it, put an A right there, or they can reject it. It's, it's one or the other. Now, here's what you and I have to understand. Um, we can't control those two outcomes. And I know, as bad as you want to save that person in your life, I've got those in my life too. Listen, we can't. Those two outcomes are not for us to decide, but what we can do, as that arrow shows us, is we can offer the invitation. And man, what an amazing invitation to go, I know your world is broken. And I know it doesn't make sense, and I know your joy is temporary, but I can tell you there is a hope, and the world longs for that. So as Christ followers, we should live with extraordinary hope. Here's the second thing that I think Peter points out. Christ followers should give, all right, live with extraordinary hope, give undeniable grace. So I'm just going to add the word grace right here underneath our Jesus follower. Extraordinary hope, undeniable grace. Maybe you found it to be true. I've definitely found it to be true that even on my best day where I'm like really loving Jesus and like even some of him is coming out in the way that I live, still not everybody likes me. <laughs> still not everybody agrees with me. And so therefore, Peter says, even when somebody disagrees with you, there should be something different about you. Peter speaks about some very important characteristics that should be true of us in verse, uh, end of verse 15 into 16. Look back at this on the screen. Peter says, but do this. Give this answer of hope and gospel. All right? Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience 
so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So Peter kind of lists what we'll say is like three characteristics in our lives that should be true of us if we're giving a really clear picture of the hope of the good news of the gospel that's in us, all right? So I'm just going to write like what he said, okay? So the first thing he said is that we would be gentle. And how we talk in our approach, in our demeanor, that we would be gentle. So he said do it with gentleness and Respect is what the NIV says, so we're going to write the word respectful right here. And how I talk, what I say, that my life is respectful towards others who are like me, who are not like me. And then at the, in verse 16, he says that even when people speak maliciously against your good behavior... In other words, they're, they're not fully gelling with you, but they are watching your life. So what we could say is not, not only does God cause to be respectful, but I think in our circles, whatever that is for you, your circle, that we would also be respected. So gentle, respectful, and respected. And all three of those, and more, but let's, let's just go with what Peter says, all three of those should be becoming true in our life. Now, let's be honest. You can fake those things for a little while, but our world is getting better and better at sniffing out what's true and what's not. That's why a lot of people wouldn't come to church because they go, no, I know it's true. So how do those things really become true of you? Through letting this just seep all in your life and change who you are. That's why, hear me, that's why week one, week two, week three became before week four. If the word is not in you, if you're not talking to him, if you're not surrounding yourself with people who are holding you accountable and lifting you up and praying for you and caring for you, listen to me, all right, these things won't be fully and deeply and richly true about you. And therefore, it'll change the way that you share the gospel. Now, again, Two outcomes, and you can't control them, all right? So they can still accept or reject, but our role is to walk in Christ's likeness just like that. Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You've been quoting that one since preschool, right? Man, that it would be true in me, that the light would be real, that it would radiate out of me. Jesus says others around you should see the undeniable grace that comes out of your life. But hear this. Peter didn't just list this as a set of instructions, but there's also a warning in here. He's saying, yes, may these things be true of you, but what happens, don't miss what could happen if the opposite of these is true in your life. Um, let's talk about it this way. I know you've all done this, so I'm not even going to ask who's done it. Like, we've all ordered something online, okay? Now, like, we order our whole lives, like, basically online. It shows up at the doorstep, okay? But we've all ordered an online package from whatever your store is, okay? Or your 17 stores, ladies. All right, and so, like, the gift comes in. But I'll ask this. Like, have you ever gotten uh, um, a package and took it from the front porch or the mailman or whatever, and you walked it in? And, like, you could automatically tell the quality of the product that was in the package just by the package, okay? You got that that present before? You ordered from that company? Like, listen, there are some places, and fill in the blank, because there's a lot of them, 
who, dude, they're they got nice boxes, man. Like the boxes are so good. My wife rides me for this. She was like, "Like you're you're gonna hang on to that box?" I was like, "That's a good box, babe. Like I might need to put I put it in the closet. I'll use it sometime. Name never, but like yeah, that's a good box." She's like, "No, you paid for the product." And I'm like, "No, but look at the box, okay?" And like you didn't want to tear it up. Then, okay, you've done this one too. Like you've ordered from your knockoff company, right? And they sent the product, okay? And it was like maybe in a garbage bag, okay? It looked like, it like been through 17 countries used by all those 17 families. They used it, packed it back up, wrapped it in six layers of duct tape, and then punched it just for you, all right? Just, you know, coming your way, right? And then you opened it, okay? And what are you thinking when you open that package? You're going, I probably feel good that I know about the level of the product that's inside of it, and it's not going to be quality, right? Like, it, it may fall apart on opening, why? Because the, the package already told you about the product that's inside. Listen, here's why I tell you that silliness. is because I think in some ways that's what Peter's saying. He says, man, it's the same way with our lives. As we, as we walk out going like, man, may the hope and the grace of Jesus radiate through me. Like if it's wrapped in a nice desirable package, then there's a really good chance that people may want to open it. So I'm going to draw this just as to help us remember this little symbol of maybe like a present, right? God says, is, is your life walking this out so that when they go to open the package, it's desirable. They long for what's inside. Now, in contrast, because that's what we're about to do in just a second, we can live opposite of that, okay? And give me grace on this drawing, right? But if it's wrapped in the, the garbage bag, right? Does that look like what I have to carry out on... Tuesday mornings to the road. Then what happens? There's a really good chance, and the package has already indicated that the product inside of me is maybe not real desirable. And so we could write some opposite words of what Peter says. Okay, we, what, what's opposite of gentle? Um, we could say harsh. What's opposite of respectful? Well, there's a lot of things, but we could say man, belittling or arrogant. I'll just write that word, arrogant. And then we said, not only should we be respectful, but we should also walk in our circles and we should be respected because of the way that we live and the way we do our work and the way we go to school and the way we respect authority. So the opposite of respect, we could just say um, no, there's no credibility. So I'm just going to say no cred, all right? I think what Peter's maybe challenging us with is, is he's going, hey, when you go to work and, and you speak about the boss, is there like this level of harshness that just comes out of you? And when you, you post on whatever your social platform is, is there just like this, this undertone always that maybe you haven't sensed, but maybe somebody said that something one time and you're like, I don't know, that's not true, but then you, oh, maybe it is, like, there's just a level of anger and bitterness that comes out of me. Or, or man, do you, do you walk around at, at your school or in your social circle, and you wouldn't say it out loud, right? But it's like, man, I, like you guys need to get it together. And there's a level of arrogance. I think Peter's saying to us, 
Man, if the opposite, if this is not real in us, like what's the danger? Well, the opposite is that these things begin to be manifest in us. And what do you think will be the response of the world that's leaning over going, man, could you tell me about the hope of what you have? And the answer is, it's almost always rejection. And what I know is some of you in this moment, you want to go, amen. Because at some point in your journey, you were that person. And you had a friend or a coworker or a family member and they went to church and they did the Sunday school and all the right things and they said they kept all the Ten Commandments and all of that. And they wanted to believe this was true about their life, but guess what? This is all you heard. That's all you experienced. That's why almost everybody I talk to in the South says, well, I got some level of church hurt, right? Because one, we made it more about the people than we did about the Savior. But as you trace it all down, it's because there were people who claimed to have this, but they looked like this, and they left us right here where, guess what, story after story of people running from the invitation of God because the people of God tainted the grace of God. Peter just says, man, I'm just, I'm just hoping that you would live with such extraordinary hope and undeniable grace and that you'd be gentle and respectful and respected so that when you go to show them for the answer that they would long to know the product that's inside of you now listen don't hear me wrong as the exchange we believe the gospel does the work and the spirit does the saving but we have a responsibility to wrap the package of our lives, and I'm not talking about your physical appearance and how much makeup or how much your clothes cost, but I'm talking about of these things, would they be true of your life so that the package even indicates something that's desirable of the product inside of us. And Peter says, may we be those people. Look back at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Here's how he ends it. He says, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Look at this. So good. Peter says, when we live God's way with gentleness and respect and respectful and respected, even when those around you disagree with your beliefs, they will still respect you because of your passion and your integrity and your authenticity and how you do your work and how you treat other people. And church, I don't know if you've like watched the news for 30 seconds recently or scrolled your social feed, but like we are living in a moment in history where the world is desperate for that right there. They're dying for hope. Just give me some kind of good news. Whether it's the economy and inflation, whether it's like wars and disasters happening like in a new country every week it seems like, and we're like, man, I want to fix that. Or maybe it's what we're marching up to in November and all the yang-yang political division where ultimately nobody's going to end up happy. Our world is desperate for hope, which means, listen to me, the field is ripe for harvest. He's like, will, will you be these kind of people infected with this Christ-likeness that's in you, that the Spirit produces in you? That's why we read the Word. That's why we pray. That's why we gather with others. Because the only way this becomes true is when the fruit of the Spirit gets growing in my life. 
Then I'm not faking it till I make it, but like it's true of my life. Come see me behind closed doors. Come see me at the store. Come see me at work. Come see me at school. Come see me when life's on the mountaintop or when it's in the valley. This is true because I'm seeking him. Therefore, I've got a true answer to give you. God says, will you be those people? The world is desperate for that. And for many generations, okay, the church, like the big C church, and I could say that because I've been a part of many little C churches and the big C church. In a lot of ways, okay, we focused on sometimes like these fancy, super well-worded presentations when we speak to people who are looking for the hope that we have. And listen, I'm, I'm not against clearly articulating the hope that you have. Like we use some things here as we counsel and walk with people towards Jesus. But I'm just asking this question. What if, what if we got better at conversations rather than just presentations? I believe the Holy Spirit might open up many, many more opportunities to give an answer. Like, think about your own life. You don't have to say it out loud, but like, think about when's the last time that you sat down with that coworker or that friend or that family member or that neighbor, whoever it is that God's, I hope, already bringing to mind, just like He is for me. When's the last time you sat down with them and you just had a just a good old face-to-face conversation? Not because you were trying to accomplish the work project or figure out the kids' schedule, but like you just sat down and go, man, just like, like, could you tell me a little more about your story? And I'd love to share with you maybe some of what's happening in my life. And we were better at conversations rather than just presentations. And I think for a long time, because of that, um, we as the church have thought about, right, witnessing or evangelism, because we maybe all heard those words, and we've thought about it kind of like this, um, share the truth, and live your life, share the truth, like speak it, and then, man, you go be you. But today, like, I think the paradigm's kind of changing to, like, share your life and live the truth. They're like, my, my life would be infectious in how I interact with you, and, and I would live what's true, not just on Sunday for an hour, but like it's actually still true on Friday afternoon and Wednesday night, and how I'm living on Saturday when my world breaks. That's true of me. You know, church, throughout this series, um, we've been called on purpose to invest in these next steps of our faith because I believe that it matters. Like, you should be reading something from Scripture if you want to grow in Christ. You should be praying something to God because you want to seek Him and know Him. You should be growing with someone. And so today, we, we land with this, that if you're a follower of Jesus and these things are becoming true and you go, yes to that, I'm not there, but yes to that, then here's the final part, that every follower of Jesus should be investing in someone. You should be investing in someone, someone or maybe a multiple of someones who do not know the hope for which you have. But what does it mean? That word invest maybe is a little different. I thought that's like the financial word. No, but I think there's a spiritual word. What does that mean to invest in someone? I'm going to round out our little diagram here with, with three words. We're going to put them on the screen. What does it mean to invest in someone? How do we share the good news of the hope of the gospel and the grace? First is this, we see them. We see them. So the question for you, for me, is like, are you living with eyes up? You know what I'm amazing at? Like every single day, I wake up and I am crushing it at knowing Bryant's world and doing Bryant's world. (laughs) Some days I don't even need the eye cow. Like, tell me I know what I want and what I'm about. 
But sometimes what's harder for me is to lift my eyes off of here and go like, wow. At the grocery store, at the ball field, across the street, in the bedroom, across the hall. There's people who are looking for that hope that I'm claiming to have. Do I see them? Here's the second word. This was week two of the series, right? That I would pray for them, that I see them, that I would pray for them. Listen to me. You and I have nothing unless the Spirit of God draws them. Okay? We don't have the power to save. But hear me, the Spirit of God is activated by the people of God when they seek and there's a lot of us who go, man, I've got this adult child, I've got this coworker, and I've tried to love them towards Jesus and tell them about Jesus, and they just won't listen. And the question that I always want to ask, because it's also been a fault of my own life, is like, when's the last time you prayed for him? Because, man, he's a greater drawer, and he's a greater fighter, and he's a greater softener of their spirit than we ever will be. So we see them, we pray for them, and then here's the last part of this call, is that we would share. We would share with them. What are we, what are we sharing? Well, I, left, I left that term pretty open-ended on purpose because I think it could be a lot of different things, right? Sometimes it means maybe sharing with them physically, like maybe there's a physical need. Man, I'm going to cook you a meal. Or I'm going to come watch your kids so you can go have a date night or go work the hours that you, I mean, there's a physical. Sometimes it's an emotional need that we share with them. Like, man, you just need a hug. Or you just need, like, lunch on Tuesday, I'm buying, we're going to Wendy's, and I just want you to talk. I just, I'm just going to listen. And I'm, I'm meeting that emotional need so that I might also get to the, what, to, the, to the spiritual need. But hear me, listen, what are we sharing with it? We always will share with them the spiritual need. And there will be moments where God will call you, man, just to speak your story and to share that with them. I heard a quote recently that said this, mentorship Mentorship is adding something to your calendar, but discipleship is including someone in your calendar. See, to invest in someone means to invite them into your life so that they might see the Jesus in you. And here's where I want us to land today as we think about that word invest. Listen to me. If you're new to our faith family, if you've been with us for a long time, man, we're all about inviting people in. Like, we're all about inviting people into this moment. Like, come to the Sunday gathering for the first time. Maybe you're here because somebody invited you. Awesome. Let's go, okay? We're all about inviting people into our gatherings, into our groups. But hear me, church. Investing as I'm talking about investing. This picture, investing doesn't just mean inviting people to church, but it means being the church in people's lives. And there is a great difference there. There are people who will never walk into this building or they'll never step into your men's group. But if you were to begin to be the church in their life, it would maybe begin to change the way that they see and respond to the good news of the hope of the gospel that's in your life. So for one last time, here we go. Pull your card out. The last blank today says what? Someone I am investing in. And my hope is that if you've been attentive, the Spirit is faithful, the Word does the work, that there's somebody, or maybe there's three people, 
that God just put in your mind today and he's resonating inside your spirit, right? But they're leaning in. And God's saying, will you let me grow this in you so that you, you're ready, man. Tomorrow morning, as you stop by their cubicle, Tuesday after class, that you have an opportunity to speak and share the good news of the hope. So what is, who is that? Man, just write their name down. You're going to, listen, you're not turning it in. You don't have to show them. But it's just, man, this is the accountability. And I know my card's blank, but I got names that are right here that God's going, Brian, will you? Will you invest? And so as you're writing that down, I want you to hear me today. There's some of you, and some of you today, as you hear that, then um, the truth is you're, you're, you're maybe over here. Maybe that's why you showed up today, because you're leaning in going, man, I, what is that place called the exchange? And what is that hope and that grace? Like, I, I know who Jesus is, but maybe I'm not following him. And so today, man, I would just invite you in to hear that the way maker, the miracle worker, the God of undeniable grace and extraordinary hope, like that he loves you. He loves you. I mean, he wants you to know him, that it starts here before you can ever walk out any of this. And so may that be true of your life and mine. And so today, maybe your response is, God, I, I want to know you. I want to know you and I want to follow you with my whole life. Now listen, here's the final charge. Because after today, what I tell you? It ain't going to be in your seat anymore. But if I was to be honest with you, kind of like I told our 930 crowd today, um, it took me a long time to figure out what I was going to preach on in January. In fact, it was like late December before I knew. All right, And in preacher world, like you got to know ahead of time. But I believe now wholeheartedly four weeks after we're closing the book on something and someone that God was wanting to birth and make something true of us. He just was. Because, listen, I raise my hand, I'll stand at the front of the line. There are deficits in my life when it comes to these things. And I don't, listen, I ain't into being a preacher or a church or a follower of Jesus who says it and doesn't live it. And I need you. It's like you need me and you need your group and you need to serve with others. And so my hope is would you take this, would you fill it in? by the Spirit's prompting, and then would you place it maybe on your bathroom mirror, your dashboard of your car, your desk at work, front of your binder as you go to algebra class tomorrow? I mean, you're going like, I just want that to be true of me because here's what I'm telling you. At the end of the next 11 months, as we close 2024 and make it to 2025, if the Lord tarries that long, and these four things, there's more, but if just these four things became true of just a few of us, much less all of us. Watch out. Watch out. Because we would be people living for the purposes of God in our life, in our world, and I'm just crazy enough to believe that it could change some things. And so will you make the commitment to walk out what God's called us to? Thanks for joining us online today. As we gather, we sing songs of worship, we center ourselves on the truth of God's word, we encourage one another through community, and we do it all so that we might be changed to live more like Jesus. Through our time today, we pray God showed you what it means for you to follow Jesus with your life and to live as the church in the world. We are available and ready to pray for you and encourage you as you discover and grow in your faith. To speak with one of our ministry team members or to have someone pray for you, you can text your first name to 
397-6111 or message us through any of our social media channels. Our ministry team would love to pray for you and help you in any way. You can also find reading plans and other resources to help you take next steps in your faith on our website. That's www.theexchange.cc. As we close out our time today and prepare to scatter as the church, let's speak out loud our declaration together. We believe the great exchange took place when Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so we could know God. We exist to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and live out their purpose. Christ's love compels us to exchange ideas for truth. God's word is our standard. Selfishness for serving, we will serve others. Pleasing for reaching, we will share our faith. Keeping for dispersing, we will make disciples. Forgetting for celebrating, we will praise God. We are the church.